In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Any time a preacher stands in the pulpit and starts to talk about money and possessions, how much you should be giving to the church, what you should be doing about the poor, it can become a dicey situation. Especially when the church knows how much the preacher makes, what possessions the pastor may have, or sometimes they might be eyeing the car that their priest drives up in. After all, passages like this one, where our Lord says to sell your possessions and give alms to the poor, might sting us a little, particularly if we just went and bought something rather nice that we think we will enjoy for a very long time. Possessions are complicated things. Now, I'm not talking about your house or your car, your clothes, perhaps the china that you eat off of at your home. We need things, sometimes tools, to complete tasks or jobs that we are both required and called to do. Having a set of screwdrivers isn't what Jesus is talking about here. Using a microwave or a dishwasher is also not what Jesus is talking about either. Possessions in this case means all the superfluous stuff that invades our life. Case in point, and to prove the point, I would use myself as an example. I love books. If any of you have been to my study here at the parish, you know that I have the shelves almost full of books that I own. At home, I have bookshelves that are full of books, sometimes even too deep. You have to pull the books to see what's behind, what books are behind the books in front. I buy books on topics that I'm interested in. For a while, I thought I could become a pretty good golfer. So I have manuals and books on improving your swing, your putting technique, how to knock a few strokes off your short game. As of today, I don't think I've picked a golf club up in about 18 months. I also love history. And usually if I go to a historical site, I rummage through the bookstore and find an historical account of a battle or the home or whatever the event was that was so vitally important to that area. Most of the time, I skim through parts of them, but I never really ever open the books again. Along with books comes magazines and journals, some of which I read devoutly. Others, I sometimes wonder why I really subscribe to it. But what I sometimes do, and, and, and I may have said this to one or two of you, um, but what I sometimes do is I attempt to justify myself by saying that even if I don't get around to reading this book or that journal, well, at least I enjoy the luxury of knowing I can whenever I want. What Jesus is trying to address in this series of verses is that possessions sometimes dull our senses to what is truly needed. In all reality, we humans do not need much to survive. 
food and water, shelter, clothing to protect us from the elements, companionship for our own mental well-being, and a few other things ranked up there as some of our highest priorities, which simply don't need multiple televisions in our home. We don't need five cars in a household of one or two people. We don't need the trinkets and collections that simply gather dust and clutter up parts of the house or that are boxed up in the attic. We also don't need to accumulate so many things that we have to rent a storage shed or storage unit just to house all the stuff that we have. Part of what happens when we purchase things that we don't necessarily need is that we become dull to the true needs of the world. For example, we sometimes bemoan about things that are happening in our lives, usually with the plumbing and the air conditioning, maybe our car, and, and some people I know will sit and sigh and say, well, I guess I'm really dealing with first world problems. But what also happens is possessions become our masters to where we have to serve or to provide service to them. And when that happens, it distracts us from the rest of the realities of the world. And it distracts us from those to whom things like our alms ought to be given. Jesus illustrates this point by telling us to be dressed for action. Be like those who wait for their master to return from a wedding. Now in the first century, these wedding banquets sometimes went on for several days. And so the slaves needed to always be alert, always be ready to greet the Lord of the house as soon as he arrived. And typically, other than what was needed, slaves didn't possess much. Imagine this, and since we don't have slaves in the United States any longer, let's use the idea of some sort of domestic servant who actually lives with a family, be it a nanny or a housekeeper or maybe even a butler. So if we tell the story, it might go something like this. A fairly well-off family goes out of town on a trip, perhaps for a long weekend. They leave their three children with the nanny, expect the housekeeper to do a few tasks they leave for her, and then, of course, their butler is there to supervise the grounds that accompany the estate. They come home early because Whatever it was that they went to go do wasn't nearly as much fun as expected. And since all of these people should be about their jobs, well, they feel there's no need to call ahead and tell them to prepare for them. When they arrive, pandemonium has broken out. First, their youngest son has broken his arm because his older brother pushed him down the stairs. And when they asked the nanny if she was watching them or had noticed, she says, No, I was too busy on my iPhone FaceTiming with my boyfriend. I mean, I have rights to talk to him too. 
Well, next they go into the kitchen where they expect to find the housekeeper cleaning some cupboards, only to find out that she never came. And they call her, and, they, and she says to them that since they weren't supposed to be back for two more days, she decided that she needed to go shopping. And while it wasn't her day off, she really needed all that jewelry that she had just placed on layaway. And lastly, they look for the butler to find him swimming in their pool. While it's obvious that the lawn crew had damaged the sprinkler system and their monthly case of wine has spoiled at the estate's gates after sitting out in the sun for a few days. And he, the butler, exclaims that he always wanted a pool of his own. And why shouldn't he use theirs? After all, they owe it to him. You see, the problem isn't the things, the nice stuff that we all want and have and use. But the problem lies, or at least part of it lies, in the constant need to acquire, the constant need to always be living the good life, even running ourselves into debt by buying more and more and more stuff. But the other bit of the problem is this. Things sometimes take us over. If any of you have read or watched J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, it's a simple gold ring, a small trinket of a possession, but it in itself possesses great power that dominates the entire plot. And as we learn early on in the narrative, the only way to rid the world of Middle-earth of evil is to destroy this one ring, which everyone who knows about it, both some of the good guys and some of the evil characters, wish to own, wish to possess, wish to use. And once you've held it and touched it, and used it, the power of the small ring dominates you until it becomes a problem to let go of and even destroy. What of the great heroes of the novel cannot come to destroy the ring near the very end of the book, even as he stands above the fires that would destroy And that's the rub. What are we as Christians supposed to put first? The material possessions of this world that consume us, turn us into greedy monsters, makes us dull to the herd of the world around. Or are we, like we discussed last week, to set our minds on the things above and not be allured and called by the material possessions of this world. Much here will rot, will ruin and decay. 
But the treasures in heaven, the inheritance that we are promised, are eternal. Now, I want you to hear what I'm saying and not what I'm not saying. It is good for us to create and to craft things of stunning beauty from the materials of this world. In this way, we imitate God, our creator. It is good to have things of great worth. Paintings that we consider masterpieces. Silver forks and spoons fashioned as works of art and tools for us to use. They are good, but we cannot let them become idols. We cannot let our entire world revolve around them. At the ranch, we have a little rule at our house. We do have some nice glasses and plates and forks, you know, all the stuff for a nice dinner party. We don't use them for everyday fare. We have our own silverware for that. But what we do use of this nice stuff, we use when we have guests, dinner parties, good friends over for the evening. And we sometimes pull out the very best of what we have. But if we can't risk a bowl or a glass getting broken in the course of having friends over for dinner, well, then we just really don't need it anymore. Because... It has exalted its place in our minds to being something too precious, too valuable. And if it does get broken, which happens from time to time, then at least it was being used for the purposes in which it was fashioned. If you find yourself going home today and looking around the house and you notice one or two things that maybe dominate your life, and by that I mean that they're more precious to you than God's love for you, put it on eBay, sell it, maybe sell it to a friend who wants it, perhaps even just Give it away. But if you do sell it, give the money not to the church as a tithe, not to some other non-profit, but give it to the poor. You can give it to the rector's discretionary fund, which is what we use those funds for. You can also give it to our food pantry to help us Buy food for the needy. And there's countless other charities that truly do assist those in greatest need and who need the most help. Let the true, true treasure of your life, the true value of your heart, be found not here, not in material things, material possessions, but in heaven. Make room in all areas of your life for Christ, for the glories of his kingdom, and for the treasures that he finds valuable. For you see, 
possessions can weigh us down when we need to be ready for action, when we need to be ready for the Lord to return to the home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.